team. Welcome to the Freedom Hunt Tuesday edition of the Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate you being here with me. We have the Gruden resignation from the NFL, the continued Southwest Airlines debacle. Is it about a protest or is it just logistics issues? Oh, we'll, we'll get into all of that. And we've also got a story out of Virginia and hat tip to the Daily Wire for it about a possible sexual assault against a young girl covered up because it involved a trans individual who used the trans policy when it comes to bathrooms in a school. We'll give you the details, the explanation of that coming up here in a minute. We also got Kamala Harris incredibly uncomfortable trying to deal with other humans, other people. She does not. She does not have the common touch that much we've known for some time. But, you know, when running a business, HR issues can kill you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations and HR manager salaries aren't cheap. An average of seventy thousand dollars a year. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small business. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding determinations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day-to-day all for just $99 a month. Month to month, no hidden fees, cancel anytime. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance. Let Bambi help get your free HR audit today. Go check it out. Okay, I'm not a big professional sports guy, as you know, if you listen to this podcast. Uh, you could even say, in general, um, I don't care very much about professional sports. That doesn't mean I don't enjoy watching from time to time. But for me, the role that professional sports plays in my life would be a lot like the role that video games plays in other people's lives. It's an enjoyable thing in moderation that you don't want to spend too much time doing. That's just my opinion. But occasionally a story does pop up, a situation does come about where you have some real crossover and you have a broader issue that all of us can see is is worth understanding and discussing. Here's a situation. John Gruden, even I knew who this guy was, stepped down as the Raiders head coach just yesterday after the New York Times reported that the coach made racist, misogynistic and homophobic comments at a bunch of different people. So this is the uh, the emails have been obtained by the New York Times. So here's what's going on. There was apparently some kind of a an investigation into, uh, you know, NFL practices, commentary, behind the scenes, things like that. And a whole lot of private emails have now been scoured over and they've gone into people's hands who were looking at this kind of stuff. And there's a it's over a seven year period ending in 2018. Gruden was criticizing Goodell, the commissioner and uh, and other people. And here's look, he said stuff that, you know, you shouldn't say. It depends on what comment exactly we're talking about here. But he said things that were unwise, um, that were not in good taste. Uh, But I would say this as well. This notion that all private commentary, that that if you had the if you had access to everything that a person 
had ever written or said that you could still think that they would get up, up they'd get a pass, they'd be able to get away from the woke mob coming for them. I, I just think that's absurd. I think it's not reality. I think everybody needs to understand that this is something that if you were to yourself have your emails in the hands of somebody looking or your text messages looking to ruin you or destroy you, there would be real problems for you. I mean, pretty much anybody, I think, says or texts or emails something at some point in time that they don't think would be good to have out loud. Uh, And look, there are varying degrees of bad here, I would say, for the things that Gruden wrote. But this guy had a $100 million contract over 10 years to coach the Raiders, and that's now all gone. And he is he has resigned effectively in disgrace. And it's because of things that he said that he thought were private that have now come out. Now, there's a few lessons here. I mean, one of them would be you really anytime you text or write anything, you should start to think of it as could this end up published somewhere? Even if you're a private person, you just don't know. And I know that's a it's a difficult way to live our lives. It's a difficult way for us to think about these things. But it's it's safe practice if you can if you can do it, if you can have that discipline. Clearly, uh, Mr. Gruden did not think of it that way. But also, I, I have to wonder, so what what happens to him now? I mean, these were comments that he made privately to individuals who were not offended by them. He made comments that were offensive. Is this policing what an individual privately believes at some level? I mean, he wasn't he was writing from a private email address. So his emails, as I understand it, got caught up in this investigation. He was not using company servers or or using things that somebody would be um, generally in in a, you know, day to day sense more careful about. And now he's done. Now he's he's finished uh, because he said the wrong things. He offended groups that will demand and they already have uh, that he be punished severely for this. I, I wish we did not live in a country where this was the case, where you would lose your job, your livelihood because of things that you said that you believed were private, that did not actually harm anyone, that were not directed at anybody who felt harmed by it, but that you're just not allowed to use certain language or have certain beliefs even in private, because if it comes out publicly, you'll be ruined. It's a shame, but it does seem like that is where we are as a country, and that's the reality that we all face here. So I, I'm not somebody who cares very much about professional sports, to bring this full circle, as you already know, uh, but I, I am someone who feels like we now, the wokeness has just gotten to be a true psychological plague in this country and no one's allowed to no one's allowed to say hey that was it that was an intemperate moment that was a i said something dumb i'm sorry i shouldn't have written that that was and and everyone goes okay you know you're not a bad person you don't hate such and such individual or group of people or whatever you just said something that you were not supposed to say and then move on from there no now it has to be your ruin you're destroyed forever All right. Now we have the Southwest Airlines uh, situation. And this is really interesting because there have been people who have come out and said that there is. Oh, and I should mention the Texas state uh, executive order now from Governor Abbott that there can be no vaccine mandates of any kind in the state of Texas. 
It's kind of what I was trying to advocate for with a different governor a while ago when there was the conscience opt out that that was being discussed in the state of South Dakota. But corporate interests prevail there, as they tend to do in that state with that individual. Here we have Governor Abbott stepping up and trying to do a little bit more about the situation. And we'll address that. Well, I'll address that in a second, because first we have all these cancellations. Here's a situation. Southwest Airlines, according to the Daily Mail, a top executive says operations are pretty well back to normal after the company was forced to cancel more than 2,300 flights over the holiday weekend, which it claims was the result of FAA delay programs in Florida. Uh, Southwest CEO Gary Kelly apologized to frustrated passengers. He was on Good Morning America. He was denied. He denied the chaos was caused by pilots upset over the vaccine mandates. Uh, as of 9 a.m. Eastern Time Tuesday, Southwest had canceled 87 flights or 2 percent of its daily operations and delayed more than 240. Federal Aviation Administration acknowledged delays in parts of Florida, but pushed back against Southwest's air traffic control explanation. It just put the airline behind on Friday. The F- uh, Kelly said the FAA said Sunday some airlines were experiencing problems because planes and crews were out of position. So who do we believe here? I mean, I find it very hard to believe that all of a sudden one airline has 2,000 flights canceled in, what is it, 2,300 flights canceled in a 48-hour period just because because of problems that still don't seem like they're able to be discussed. But if these were pilots who were deciding on their own but in a collective action, right? So this wasn't a part of the the, the plan here uh, wasn't to use the union because it's technically illegal, right? You can't actually strike. If you're a pilot in the union in this way, Uh, so they didn't actually go through that. They didn't go through that situation. Instead, they just did it on their own. Assuming that's true, it would continue. Well, we'll have to see what are the possibilities here. Play this one out. You know that the apparatus of control absolutely does not want people to realize that if they push back enough and effectively enough, there could, in fact, be an end to some of these mandates that companies won't be able to do the bidding of the Biden administration, not without paying a price that's too high for them. So they want to avoid people coming to that recognition. So what's one way to do that? Well, to pretend that that's not what's happened here and to say that that was never the case, just to lie about it. That's one option, which I know a lot of people on the right believe certainly seems like that's a likely scenario. Another option is that there was a collective direct action here by pilots and perhaps and others uh, at Southwest Airlines that now has been nipped in the bud, uh, that now has been uh, shut shut down by Southwest executives who went out and reached out to, you know, the bosses basically reached out to the different pilots and said, you're out one more day, you're gone. And maybe that, that I'm just saying these are the possibilities. That's certainly possible. And then the third possibility here is that somehow this just happened to occur and it is just a fluke and it has nothing to do with the van mandate, a vaccine mandate, and all these pilots just happen to be out at the same time on the same day or whatever. They're saying it was some, some issue with air traffic control, which that just doesn't sound realistic at all. Why didn't it affect all the other flights then, all the other airlines? Some were having some delays, but this, this amount of delay? So those are the options as I see them, and I find it very hard to believe that uh, this just occurred. 
Um, I'm finding it very hard to believe that this was just a thing that happened and there was nothing to do with the vaccine mandates. But I do worry that they will crush this. And then once again, the Fauciite incrementalism will feel like it's unstoppable. And what we're heading for, and I think you know this as well as I do, what we're heading for is this winter, there will be a mandate for you to fly, a vaccine mandate for you to fly uh, on domestic flights. And they'll do it right before probably Thanksgiving or maybe right before Christmas because they know that that's a time of year when a lot of people who don't even fly very often will be flying to see their families. And they'll say, sorry, you got to do it. It's what the science demands. That's what they'll say. That's what they'll do. And I think we can all understand why that's troublesome, to say the least, um, and something we should fight back against. But I'm just not really sure if we're going to be able to do it effectively enough. We'll come back to this in a moment. The Tunnel Towers Foundation helps us keep our commitment to never forget. Over this year, the foundation honored Gold Star and fallen first responder families with young children and catastrophically injured veterans and first responders with 200 mortgage-free homes. Chairman and CEO Frank Siller paid tribute to the fallen by walking from the Pentagon to Shanksville and then on to Ground Zero. This is more than 500 miles. It went through six states over 42 days, starting in August all the way through 9-11. There were towers of light shining at the Pentagon and Shanksville memorials in remembrance. On Veterans Day, the names we lost in the war on terror will also be said out loud. Do good and help America to never forget. Never forget our heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. T2T.org. So Texas has an anti-mandate mandate. mandate. Uh, That's where we are now, thanks to the governor of Texas. And this is going to raise a lot of interesting issues. Legal challenges are coming for this, of course. Uh, here's the situation. This is from the Washington Post. Texas Gav- uh, Governor Greg Abbott. Oh, whoops. Well, we don't have to use the Post. We'll use somebody else here. Texas Governor Greg Abbott bans any COVID vaccine mandate, including for private employers. This is Texas Tribune. Um, banning any entity, including private business, from requiring vaccination for employees or customers. Abbott also called on legislature to pass a law with the same effect, promising to rescind the executive order once that happened. The legislature is in this year's third special legislative session, which ends which ends October 19th. Uh, So he's saying the order mark or rather this piece is saying the order marks a significant reversal after Abbott previously gave private businesses the choice to mandate vaccines for workers. So he stepped it up in response to. The federal government's uh, overreach. He has stepped it up and said that he believes this is the right that this is the right move, especially given the fact the Biden administration is coming for everybody now, at least everybody with over 100 employees. If you remember that previous mandate that they had and or rather rollout that they had, they haven't really instituted it yet. So this will be interesting because you do have some people on the right, including uh, Dan Crenshaw here, member of Congress, former Navy SEAL who don't like the way Abbott is going about this. 
Look, I, I hate that we have to play this game, right? This isn't the right way to govern, go, to go from mandate no to mandate against a mandate. It, it, it's not the right way to govern. I, I, I still generally believe in this whole freedom of association principle where you can associate with people you want to associate with as an employer or as an employee. But here's the thing. The federal government already took that first step, and they're still in the process of writing the rule under OSHA that would require businesses to vaccinate their, their employees or have them fired. Right. This is an absurd rule. This is such an overreach. It's unconstitutional. And so these reactions you're seeing from the states are, well, they're a reaction to that overstep in the first place. I think he is accurate, but I I would disagree with his sense that this is something we have to be, that we should be concerned when states stand up for individual freedom. I actually think that that is a role the state should play against the federal government, especially in moments of overreach. And this idea, this takes me back to the the conservatism, if you will, uh, the the mainstream conservatism of the 90s and the early 2000s, uh, where people would, would assume, oh, we'll just keep the government out of it. And then that's the best. That's the best outcome. Um, well, that's not how it works right now. Anywhere the government, whether it's at the state or local or federal level, has all kinds of regulations about business, about commerce that are in effect. So there is no protection of the sacred neutral space of commerce that is going on right now that's a fantasy right we can't do that because you know we shouldn't be mandating against a mandate there are all kinds of mandates in place just look at look at the regulations that exist even in the state of texas for businesses to operate safely for the taxes that are taken from them for uh, the the licensing the there there I, i could sit here and just read through Thousands of pages, probably, of different regulations and mandates and things that exist that affect businesses right now in the state of Texas and any state. So it's a question of should a state use its power to protect individual freedom and autonomy? That's not tyranny. That's protecting freedom. Conservatives, I think, or people on the right in general can get this a little bit confused. They think we're protecting the sacred neutral space. You see this in the realm of education as well, where we had thought, oh, we'll just teach history, not history that likes America or hates America. Just teach history. Well, history is not mathematics. There's always going to be some narrative. And so you might want to be actually involved in understanding what the narrative is that children are being taught. You might want to be involved in learning what it is that kids are being brainwashed with and try to push it away from hating America toward a fuller, better understanding of this country that understands the blessings and the incredible uh, nation that has been bequeathed to us by our forefathers. But see, we thought we could have a neutral space. That's not really a thing that exists. And we think we can have a totally free market, maybe, if we just avoid government overreach. That is also a thing that does not exist. I tried... If you remember, I tried to get at least one state to go and start taking affirmative steps, start taking action in defense of freedom instead of being passive and waiting for the Fauci steamroller to crush everybody in every state. And what did the federal government do? They revved up the Fauci steamroller, just like I said they would. And now Governor Abbott has realized this and goes, "Okay, well, let's have a state mandate against the mandate. You might say, well, Buck, the federal government, supremacy clause, all this stuff. Okay, let's take it to the courts. 
But at least then you're giving some cover for people in that state to avoid getting the shot. See, friends, time is everything here. Time is everything. If the shot gets into the arms of people who don't want it, that's done. Now they've, they've bent the knee. They've gotten the shot. So delay is your friend here. Using the process to protect freedom is your friend. At some level, we have to start understanding tactics because the other side abuses the system for tactical advantage all the time. Notice, I'm not saying break the system, but let's use it for our ends. States have tremendous power over uh, individuals. And when you look at their health, tremendous power left to them. Right. The federal government really doesn't. But states under quarantine authority and under all kinds of regulations. I mean, the states can do a lot of things if they choose to. And if they choose to protect individual freedom from a vaccine, that is a thing to be celebrated. It's not a thing to sit around and say, oh, but that's too much government. Oh, it's, it's too much government when it comes to defending freedom. But those same people you'll notice aren't saying, well, we, sh- we should have you know, no rules about how businesses conduct themselves other than just the enforcement of basic contracts with each other. No regulations whatsoever about you know, how long people can work or minimum wage or anything else, right? Why do we have minimum wage laws in these states? You might say, oh, Buck, well, that's an infringement. Okay, but I like to live in the real world. In the real world, you can either use power to protect individuals and their freedoms, or you can allow the authoritarian left to crush them under the Fauci steamroller. That's really where the debate is right now. So I think Governor Abbott is doing the right thing, even if he does get overruled. Now I want to tell you about this piece in the Daily Wire. This is this was stunning. Luke Rosiak is the author here. DailyWire.com and hat tip to Luke Rosiak for this one. On June 22nd, Scott Smith was arrested at a Loudoun County, Virginia school board meeting, a meeting that was ultimately deemed an unlawful assembly after many attendees vocally opposed a policy on transgender students. What people did not know is that weeks prior on May 28th, Smith says, a boy allegedly wearing a skirt entered a girl's bathroom at nearby Stonebridge High School where he sexually assaulted Smith's ninth grade daughter. Juvenile records are sealed, but Smith's attorney, Elizabeth Lancaster, told the Daily Wire that a boy was charged with two counts of forcible sodomy, one count of anal sodomy, one count of forcible fellatio related to an incident that day at that school. If someone would have sat and listened for 30 seconds to what Scott had said, they would have been mortified and heartbroken, Scott's attorney said. As a result of the viral video showing his arrest, Smith became the poster child for what the National School Board Association had since suggested could be a form of domestic terrorism, a white blue-collar male who showed up to harangue obscure public servants on his local school board. If someone would have sat and listened for 30 seconds, they would have, I, I read that to you a second ago, would have been mortified and heartbroken. Minutes before Smith's arrest, the Loudoun County Public School Superintendent lectured the public that concerns about the transgender policy were misplaced because the school system had no record of any assault occurring in any school bathroom. End quote. Uh, friends, this is what you get with the woke left. They, they humiliated this father whose daughter was sexually assaulted. They humiliated him for trying to speak out about the sexual assault. And then you had school officials pretending that there had never been a sexual assault by a trans individual a trans teenager using the policies, using this, uh, you know, using this trans bathroom situation in order to have easy access to and assault a young girl. 
This is what wokeness does to people. It, it corrupts and corrodes their soul. It destroys their sense of basic morality and decency. The cause becomes more important than the, than the individuals that are destroyed or harmed by it. You know, they don't care what the end result is. They care that they are, for any individual, they care what they're getting as a collective. And so because this went against the narrative, they covered it up. Because this was a story that did not go along with the, we all have a, a tr- there's a trans agenda here for bathroom use policy that is just totally fine and there's no concerns and anyone who has any issues with this is a bigot. That's the, that's the narrative. Turns out that's not true. We've known that's not true. Now we have proof. And they're willing to cover up the sexual assault of a young girl in order to get their way when it comes to policy. This is the left that you are dealing with. Do not forget it. They are they're insidious. They're insidious. They will do evil things and think themselves brave in the process. Think that they're making the better decision. It's a noble, a noble evil that they believe they do by covering up a story like this or by making sure that people don't jump to the wrong conclusions about the entire trans agenda because of one incident. Yes, the, the left likes to make those kinds of calculations for you. I say... We should all be exposed to the truth and be able to speak the truth. And that's the society that we should live in. Anyway, hats up the Daily Wire for their reporting on this one. Really uh, incredible, harrowing, uh, well, harrowing story and good journalism by Luke uh, Rosiak here. Oh, and I'd mentioned this just to close us out today. Kamala Harris, if you haven't seen the, uh, the video where she's pretending to be a, a normal, nice person with kids, they hired child actors so it could all look so so nice and normal when Kama's talking about, oh, my gosh, when you see the craters on the moon, it's just amazing to see the craters on the moon. And the kids are all, yay, but the kids are actors, and Kamala is just not likable. And the Democrats are going to try and try because the Democrat elites, the Democrats who write big checks to NGOs and live in mansions and live in, you know, brownstones in Brooklyn or haciendas in uh, Malibu or whatever. They think that this is their candidate. They just have to find the way to sell her to the American people for the next election. And it's not going to work. It's not going to work. That much I can tell you. I'm going to close out the show today with that, my friends. Thanks for being here. For our new subscribers, appreciate you joining Team Buck, hashtag Team Buck. Back with you tomorrow, Shields High.